All right, welcome to pod number 18. Kristen, do we have a rhyme? 18, feeling like a dream. Oh, I love that. All right, we're gonna spend- Pretty sure we already did that one, but I'm gonna do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna spend a few minutes catching up and then we've got a theme of the day. Are pickleball players even real athletes? Mm, What do you think, Kristen? I think they're real frogs. No, they're real parrots. No, (laughs) wait. I think we're gonna go back with athletes. We're gonna review the PPA Takea so much to unpack and unload from this tournament, including my partner, Sarah Ansbury, taking down Colin Johns with a shot to his face. (laughs) Uh, We're gonna talk about what it means to be a pro athlete, some real struggles, trials and tribulations mentally that I'm kind of going through in real time. And then we're going to finish up with a buy the numbers segment that you're not going to want to miss. It's on billion dollar blondes and buying TV time. And to wrap things up, we're going to talk about these. <laughs> to wrap things up, we're going to talk about uh, my favorite Dear Jilly Bee question to date. That is explaining the geometry of the pickleball court and what that means to improve your game. Kristen, let's get pot 18 started. Let's do it. This Pickleball Life. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite comedy podcast, Masked as a Pickleball Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything, including sometimes pickleball. I am Kristen Walla, aka K Dubs, uh, pickleball enthusiast, Duper 4.09, golf pro, and an armchair sports psychologist, as well as founder of PB Gods. And I'm Jill Braverman, a.k.a. your girl, Jilly B, top 20 in the world pro pickleballer, former tech CEO at Duper, uh, former chief of staff at Major League Pickleball, and current co-host of this pod. No way. Your yes, co-host, way. huh? <laughs> the hostess with the mostest. I just hang out and do the tech. And we're going we're gonna to try our best to, to keep this pod at a little bit more of a clip since we did give you a bonus 30 minutes last week with our 90-minute pod that I, uh, I considered cutting out some elements of, but I decided, you know what? What's the point of me cutting stuff out if they can just skip through a chapter? Chapter. So uh, give us a comment. Let us know if last week was more pod than you wanted or it's never enough because we love user feedback and we want to give you the exact pod you want to listen to. So moving right along, we uh, we did go to physical therapy uh, pseudo together, um, back-to-back days. I had my first physical therapy post-op appointment, um, and thanks to... Uh, to our, our good friend Maddie for uh, recommending a great physical therapist named Vince. Um, Vince is our new VIP in the family, and um, he gave me a lot of a lot of compliments and uh, said I was ahead of schedule with um, the limited amount of uh, progress I have made. Which is to say, look at me, I'm sitting in a chair. You know, I don't even have my foot up right now. Um, but I told Vince to be very careful with compliments because I have a track record of getting extra lazy when people tell me I'm doing extra well. That's correct. So a very important to know thyself. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, they gave me this intake form and it was like, how are you doing with the following activities? Standing for one hour, fail. Uh, carrying things, fail. Walking a mile, forget about it. Walking two blocks, extremely difficult. I was like, are they trying to cut me down and make me feel like I can't do anything? Because I already, I already know that. But thanks so much for the status update. For those, for those of you that don't know, Kristen tore her ACL three years ago skiing and is actually part of the 3% of the population who tears their ACL and doesn't necessarily need surgery, which there was a famous uh, football QB, right? Oh, yeah. Who played- John Elway. John Elway, who played for years without an ACL, but got all the surrounding muscles really strong. So she's recovering from that, plus then tearing her meniscus on top of it. Um, meniscai. Yes, playing very good Latin. So her uh, recovery is accent- uh, uh, a little bit increased due to the meniscus issue. But yeah, you're doing you're doing great. You took a shower yesterday, which absolutely yeah, exhausted you. Like, oh my god, put you flat yeah. on your back from the excursion and the. Uh, the uh, physical yeah, that, physical activity. That's really the um, the reversal ratio where it's like when a shower doesn't revive you, but it takes it out of you, we'll know that I'm getting <laughs> to that next level of recovery when a shower makes me feel good again. That's really funny. I need to clarify, I was bathing, right? I was cleaning myself, but yesterday was the first time I actually went into the shower. So just had to make that clear. <laughs> I washed my hair and everything. Thank now, you. On to our you new sponsor. That. Uh, for me, last week brought on a new sponsor that I'm really excited about, uh, Neo Slick and their Vega 40 Ball. I think I speak for everyone when I say we're craving something that plays, you know, close to as hard as a Dura with the durability though of like a Franklin, and we all don't want to pay three dollars and fifty cents to four dollars per ball, and that's exactly what the Vega 40 is able to provide. All that durability. Uh, plus the like hard feel and the consistent flight and balance of like the most premium balls. So I tested it out, fell in love with it. Sarah Ansbury is also an athlete and a huge proponent of the Vega 40. So you can use my code JillyB for a 10% discount, and that puts you at $1.95 a ball compared to like $3.25 for say a Dura. Um, so I'm super excited about this partnership. I think the pickleball world like deserves a ball that isn't going to put them out of a paycheck. (laughs) Where does that uh, discount code work on on Vega's website or it works on neoslick.com. The balls are also available on Amazon. They do primarily a ton of their business on Amazon actually. Uh, but the discount code won't work on Amazon. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then in honor of this partnership, we are going to be giving away, uh, two 24 packs of balls. Oh, nice. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, Jillie B. Pickleball, be sure to because we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about how that giveaway is going to work. Excellent. Um, so- oh, one more important update. Uh, my sister, Natalie, last week, we decided that she is going to get into pro pickleball. You might have seen some really fun videos of us training together. She- yes, for those of you who may not know, Natalie uh, played D1 tennis ahead of Jill at Pepperdine. In fact, she was... As the joke goes, their oldest sister played professional tennis. Natalie was number one on the team at Pepperdine, and they both were like, don't even try. Like, just enjoy yourself. <laughs> Joel was on the team after after Natalie at Pepperdine, but uh, I think he still yeah, I was. Yeah, I was kind of the runt of the point. litter. I didn't play number one until, like, my junior year, and there was, like, Natalie was already an NCAA All-American by her junior year. Your junior year, a.k.a. Age-wise, what should have been your freshman, freshman year? year <laughs> she went to college at 16. But on to Natalie as a pickleball player. So Natalie uh, 
and I have just been training like when I'm in town and she's getting really into it. And it's, it's kind of crazy because her forehand roll dink is filthy and my backhand roll dink is filthy. And it's, it's like, we just really compliment each other. And I will say there's this insane thing that happens on the court that I see with siblings. And I definitely see it with Natalie. Telekinesis. Yeah. ESPN. (laughs) Uh, We, we can like telepath with each other. We don't ever have to talk. We don't say like mine, yours, go stay back. I swear we just read each other's minds. And it was exactly like that when we played doubles tennis together, which we didn't get to do a ton because of our age discrepancy. So yeah, Natalie is five and a half years older than me. She has three kids. She's done having kids. Her husband's getting uh, snipped in a couple of weeks. Sorry, Aiden. And uh, she's like ready to, to play. And I think I've convinced her to play at least five, six tournaments with me next year. And the, the funniest part about all of this is she was so inspired to be my partner when she watched Colin and Ben mm-hmm. Johns play and Colin had his injury and Ben took up, you know, 80% of the court, Natalie looked at me and went, this is it. That's the type of partner you need. <laughs> you play your best when you're literally flying across the court. You just need someone to go into a corner with no ego and defend the ball. And that's me. I'm going to do this for you. And we were laughing so so hard. So yeah, that's my big, 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 big news from uh, from last week. Yes. Sarah Ansbury, watch out. <laughs> 2024, here we go. I've been saying for years I want, to, want Jill to, uh, or once I should say, I want Jill to go back to uh, singles, but she's finally figured out how to play singles on the doubles court. Just get my sister. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's so going to be just, so a, fun. A test, a test so battle fun. this week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So on Monday, we're playing um, Rachel Retger and Jeannie Arakina. Tuesday, we're playing Christine Trufinovich, formerly McGrath, and Jeannie Arakina. And that'll be like a really good test. I think the expected value for those outcomes would be like we lose like four and five. So I told Natalie, anything we do better than that uh, is going to show that we could be a good team. (laughs) I mean, she's just getting into it. She's like literally month two in in effort of, of trying to learn how to do like a third shot drop and not hitting every ball as hard as she can and what's a reset. Um, But she's got great hands and great offense. And I think like, frankly, the way the women's game is going is that like fast hands, offense, don't be scared of it. And as long as you have good enough defense to back up that aggression. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, You can't win with offense alone because it's a wiffle ball, but you can definitely uh, control the point, so to speak. So with that, let's migrate into our theme of the day. Yep. It's the theme of the day. Are pickleball players real athletes? Now, let me just start by saying the fact that this is even being mentioned is just silly. Like the definition of an athlete... is a person who is proficient in sports and other forms of physical exercise. So I'm not sure where people kind of are thinking this is such a uh, discussion point because obviously pickleball players are athletes. I think a lot of this just comes from the fact that the pro side of the game is nascent. So when people think of pickleball, they think of recreational pickleball, which was popular by people who don't move a lot. But 
if you look at the highest level of anything, it's very different from the lowest level of that same thing. So it, uh, it is kind of a, a funny thing that I love that people take such a, a pleasure in cutting down other sports. I'm used to it with golf, but what's your take? Uh, well, I'll never forget when you talk about how people take a pleasure in cutting down other sports. Uh, six months or so ago when I was getting back into it professionally, someone said to me, uh, an older gentleman, he goes, oh, pickleball, God, that's like watching grass grow. And I said to him, what sport do you play? Or what, what do you like to watch? He goes, baseball. And I go, <laughs> oh. And I go, oh, baseball, where they stand around the whole time and it's so unathletic you can chew tobacco. And he like got my point actually, that mm-hmm. when you, you can look at anything through an ignorant lens – and you can do that with any sport. You can literally Absolutely. sit here and mock any sport. But I had I mean, yet cricket, to they meet. are literally having tea parties in the middle of a cricket game. Maybe I should be playing cricket. <laughs> I have yet to meet one of these haters on, oh, is pickleball a real sport? Or you're so unathletic, fake athletes, who has played pickleball themselves. Like, I have literally, like, that, that yeah, is my number so one response to someone online, these keyboard warriors who go, Pickleball, not a real sport. You don't have to be an athlete. I, re- I respond and go, have you ever played? And invariably, the answer is no. <laughs> and it makes me wonder, too, about um, pickleball's uh, rate of, like, re-pickup. So in tennis, when I worked at Universal Tennis, we knew that 70% of first-time tennis players never picked up the sport again, never picked up the racket again. Let's really think about that for one second. I think it's 70% of first-time pickleballers get addicted to pickleball. Yeah, the retention rate has got to be at least tenfold whatever tennis is. It's got to be at least 70, and 20-fold right? whatever golf is. <laughs> the only thing that keeps people in golf is the, uh, what's the phrase we always use, the sunk cost theory. Totally. They're like, well, I already spent $2,000 on clubs, and I joined a membership, and I took lessons, and I bought the clothes, so I can't quit now. This no- Okay, so, so here's a hot take. This notion that, oh, well, when the best tennis players come into pickleball, all the existing players are in trouble. Watch out. And this notion that's right there with it, that pickleball players aren't real athletes. Well, I'm going to sit here and say that I think pickleball players are more athletic than tennis players. I was doing an analysis of the top 15 male and female pro pickleball players, and it is astounding, literally astounding at how multidisciplinary these athletes are. You've got people who played D1 tennis and basketball. You've got former professional hockey players. Totally. You've got ping pong players. You've, I mean, I think about myself, golf, skiing, Racquetball. ping pong, oh, tennis. You, but... Right. Oh, like, squash, yeah. Squash. But yeah, in general, I meet people who come from badminton, who come from racquetball, who come from squash, who come from, it, you know. It's Baseball. amazing. And, and and to be this multidisciplinary in a way that, frankly, there's you aren't in tennis because yeah. all you're doing is tennis, 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 tennis. And let me ask you guys this. The players who have come in who are top, top tennis players, former top tennis players, how are they doing? Other than Jack Sock, how did Noah Rubin do? How's Sam Out. Query doing? Didn't get drafted. Well, Travis Redmire, great player. Nothing but good things to say about Travis. But he gave himself a leg up by owning part of a team. And that gave him a really, like, good uh, 
venue to show his skills. And uh, yeah, no, no knock on any of them. It is, I think, the Sam Query thing, like he doesn't get to take advantage of his height as much because he can't serve overhead in pickleball. Um, whereas that must have been a huge thing for him. All I'm saying is there is something about pickleball where the more athletic you are, the more multidisciplinary mm-hmm. you are, mm-hmm. the better the player. Colin Jones had two forehands in tennis. Can anyone conceptualize how ambidextrous you have to be to be able to do that? That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him hit a lefty uh, forehand last week. AJ Kohler, hockey, like Riley Newman, basketball. And it's not just the guys. Etta Wright, mm-hmm. three, four different sports growing yeah, I think up. She played badminton. I'm sure she played ping pong. She, I think, grew up kind of internationally like, like, and like military. These so, yeah, players all over are the place. athletes, like in a way, frankly, that I don't see from pro tennis players. And that yeah. might be because that sport dictates like, hey, it's one or it's all or nothing. Totally. I think that pickleball is uh, an exhibition of skills drawn totally. from so many different disciplines. It's like a decathlon which I just discovered yeah. is not decathlon. It's just decathlon. Anyone else not realize that? I learned in today. What is that thing that people say? I it was, was today, today years old. I was today years old when I realized it's not decathlon. It's decathlon. But I take that short game from golf and the mentality of golf. Um, I think, you know, the angles of maybe a pool player, you've got the strategy of a chess player. I mean, you're you're pulling from so many different so uh, skill sets. And the thing about tennis is you can't play at the pro level without being able to run from baseline to baseline 1,700 times. Well, and so we, yeah, we, like that is a certain skill, but that's like, okay, so some people can run a 40-yard dash, but they can't do a pole vault and a javelin throw necessarily. Well, and are we punishing the sport because your grandma loves it? Like, okay, let's punish golf then. And are we punishing the sport... Uh, because you can start it in the morning and be good at it by the afternoon. Let's punish skiing then. And what do we say about F1 and NASCAR drivers? Oh, they're unathletic because they're sitting down all day. So I hope if you're listening to this podcast, you're picking up little snippets that you can uh, use to snipe down the next ignorant comment you hear about pickleball. (laughs) I will will say my dad, the ski instructor, gets people all the time who he thinks like, oh, this person looks like a great athlete. They're going to pick this up no problem. And they don't. And um, and vice versa obviously happens too. So, yeah, I just think don't judge. People be hating. Drop in the comments if you have even a a better response that you like to use. Because if you're listening to this podcast, I know you've heard the haters. You might be a hater yourself. I am always surprised by how many comments I get in the pod from like non-pickleball players who are listening to the pod who then yeah, like hate like, I on should try pickleball. This. Yeah, what is this? And uh, yeah, like I think another funny example too, and then we can move on, but the whole like horseback riding, polo, don't get me started on pato. <laughs> but then you Throw get back into, to one of our first episodes. <laughs> then you get into like motocross. Okay, well, you're, you're on a dirt bike. So that's a little bit more athletic than say Formula One or NASCAR. But you watch those Formula One guys, they're in the gym. They're so fit. Why, why do they have to be fit? Well, they're dealing with G-force. And, and they then they're die. also heating, heating up in a tiny car and hitting, you know, corners for hours on end. So I just think... It's it's just people trying to narrow the field of, uh, of athleticism and sport into something that looks like, I don't know, their idea of 
cool. Football, don't get me started on all the stoppage time and the whistle blowing. It's like the old joke of telling your wife there's four minutes left in the game and she thinks in four minutes you'll be eating dinner. <laughs> four minutes in football lasts like an hour. So anyway, um, just, just funny to see the things that people try and do to cut down pickleball. But I think pickleball has proven that it is too sticky. So sticky. Not going away. It's so sticky. Um, Let's talk about Takea last weekend's PPA yes, tournament. Absolutely, PPA um, Takea. So one funny, the- one funny tidbit is I was wearing my new kit, my new uniform. So you can see here if you're on video, I've got a rainstorm uh, white tank, up, tank top, and top. on the back it says Rock uh, Solar Backpacks. And uh, then I've got my my shorts say Pro Band. Anyway, so I was, I was feeling like really good. Felt like I was looking super cute. And it was so funny because the rainstorm girls, who are pretty famous now at PPA events because they're passing out cold storms everywhere, they're also in a white tank top with the exact same logo. And a backpack, which you were certainly wearing your rock pack when this person saw you. It was so funny. I had multiple people come up to me being like, hey, can I get a storm? Hey, can I get a storm? And the best part is I have no idea if they were serious or they knew who I was and they were kidding. No way <laughs> we to will know. never know. I just said, sorry, I only have one and it's for me. <laughs> In your special rainstorm pocket. What um, is your favorite flavor of rainstorm? Tangerine. Tangerine. It's just because of glass animals, isn't orange, it? Orange. Orange, tangerine, and then peach. Uh, peach. Grape is the number one seller, believe it or not. I do believe it. I do. The kiwi's a little sweet for me, it. but they're uh, they're awesome. So if you're drinking Celsius, just go ahead and stop. Yeah, um, let's support the brands that also support pickleball. I think about that a lot. Yeah. No. Oh, and I was thinking too, like wait till uh, till if you were uh, walking through the uh, courts with Austin Chikotalov, then they'd really think you were rainstorm guys. Girls. We're gonna put a photo of Austin in right <laughs> it's here. Happening on video. The the pro player Austin is absolutely ripped, and AKA he also looks Amazon just man. like one of the uh, the rainstorm guys. So yeah, yeah together like, we would be quite the pair. Dead ringer. We should just do that one time as just, like a just joke. As a rainstorm. Yeah, I have to write that down. Um, as far as my injury, I had to pull out of mix. I was supposed to play with Jaume Martinez Vic, my MLP uh, New York Hustlers partner, and because uh, I really didn't want to hurt myself. So I played Saturday with Sarah who flew cross country. I didn't want to bail on her and super successful in the sense that I didn't re-injure it. Super unsuccessful in the sense that I thought that we had a really good opportunity to beat Tyra and Elise and instead we got absolutely killed. And I've learned that Jill playing with one leg conservative and not aggressive flying all over the court is not Jill Braverman. I don't know who that person is, mm-hmm. uh, but it's mm-hmm. not me and it doesn't work very well. Billy so. Javerman. Yeah, Bay Javerman. It's not B Javerman. It's someone else. It's not me. And so I'm looking forward to hopefully having spending all this week rehabbing my hamstring, not touching a ball till Monday, playing hard Monday, Tuesday. And I want to play hard on purpose because if I can't do it in practice, what's the point of getting on a plane and flying to Utah for tournament champions where I'm playing with DJ Young, who's hot off beating the Johns brothers uh, and had a great tournament, almost took down Dylan Frazier and JW Johnson, lost 11-9 in the third, if my memory serves me correctly. But yeah, what's the point of going and flying and playing with Bobby Oshiro, and, and who's a fantastic player, and DJ if I can't go balls out? 
three days before that. So I think Monday and Tuesday with my sister against Rachel Recker and Jeannie Arakina is going to be a really good test of the hamstring. Yeah, I'm excited to hear the results of that in every direction. <laughs> so yeah, Sarah had a weird tournament. I mean, Sarah Ansbury, my partner, um, faced first, off against Elise in the second round twice. Yeah, faced off against Elise and Colin when Colin Johns hurts his Achilles. And I was texting with him yesterday. I said, "Did you know Proband makes a Proband makes a, an Achilles and an ankle?" brace. I'll send you one. He's like, thanks. Let me see what the orthopedic says today. Yeah, so good Achilles luck to him. I hope he heals quickly. Is but yeah, Sarah had to play uh, Colin and Elise and they lost the first and then Colin went down. Uh, and then yeah, play, played Elise and Tyra, Elise again in the second and women's like you said. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of, a lot of people kind of giving Eric some flack for hitting Colin in the face, but most certainly that was accidental. He was like practically facing backwards when he hit like a backhand overhead. And well, Colin's I think Elise just was really. I think I think we should play that clip here. And I think Elise Jones was really annoyed because had that ball not hit, had that ball not hit ricocheted off Colin Colin's head in his head on she his face, right there, yeah. she would have gotten it. She would have been totally there. They would have won the point. Yeah. I mean, Colin's face got in the way of them winning that point. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. Just think about it, guys. Yeah, it's a catch-22. If his eyes were open, he might have gone blind, but since they were closed, he wasn't able to dodge the bullet. Also, we should also insert my all-time favorite pickleball clip ever, which was Elise Jones going down. <laughs> head over heels. Head over, over heels. the video board. As amazing. Somehow her falls just look so much more athletic than anyone else's falls. Oh. Jones is down. I hope she's okay. She's back she's up. Back. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're still playing. Oh, if they win this rally. They do. Come on. Run it back. We've got to see. She disappeared. She went behind the boards. Yes. Let's go. We have got to see the acrobatics of this. Oh, my. And stays in the point like nothing happened. Yep, we just switched on purpose. It's all in the recovery, you know? If you ain't falling, you ain't trying. So... Speaking of Takea, just some quick little things I noticed that y'all might be interested in. I was watching Riley Newman and AJ Kohler play up close. I had like literally this crazy front row glass viewing, like they were almost animals at SeaWorld because I was inside at Los Cab in the player lounge and there's this like glass and it's portal like right behind the baseline. And you yeah, you can like oh. watch a match. So I was watching their match. And I felt like I was watching like high definition television because you've got the glass screen and then they're right there. Like you could reach out and touch them. We're there that we're finally comparing real life to HD television. It's more than 8K. It's <laughs> infinity K. Retinal K. Oh my God. All I meant was you were so up close. No, That's totally, what I really totally. mean. And so I could see match. Riley and AJ's expressions as they were playing against Dane Gingrich and Daniel Raditi, two senior pros. And obviously AJ and Riley are going to win it. But like they were – I've never seen two people look like they were having less fun on a pickleball court. And it was so weird to me because I usually think of both of those players as being pretty entertaining to watch, definitely Riley. But I just remember being like, I have never been that miserable on a court. I've never yeah. looked that unhappy on a court. No, it's interesting. I mean, I do think that Riley's whole take on pro sports is the whole like 
winning is fun. Yeah. And I'm not having fun unless I'm winning and winning is the only fun. And he's not alone. There's a lot of people who who play well, that you, way. You I compare just think it it's to like, you compare it to Jaume and Wyatt, Jaume Martinez Vic and Wyatt Stone, who played Quincy Ellie against Riley and AJ. And that was one of the most entertaining matches I've ever seen, just in Jaume and Wyatt's like reactions, response, their energy, the like fire, the yeah. laughter. Like you look at Wyatt, like he's laughing a lot. Jaume's doing behind the back shots. Not that Riley and AJ don't do a bunch of really cool shots, but my, my point is there was like a They were playing. Riley and AJ were working. Yeah. Yeah, Jaume and Wyatt were playing. Riley and AJ were working. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people say to me, I'm so happy you're back in the sport. The sport needs you. You're so entertaining to watch. And when I try and tell other players, like, we're in the entertainment business. Absolutely. Where like, are these sponsors coming from? Yeah. And maybe I'm lucky because – I, that's just the way I play my best anyway. Like thrilling, fun, relaxed, laughing. Yeah. Like I'm competitive and I want to win, but I want to entertain too. And there are different styles of doing that. Obviously not – there isn't another Jilly B in the world. And if there were, like great. But you be, you can be your own version of entertaining. You can be your own version of – you know, fun and, and endearing and, you know, there's the Elise Jones diving for things and there's the, you know, spirited cheers from uh, Julian Arnold on Diamo. Like, you know, make it your own. But I think, like, you even said that Tyra was saying she played tennis so long that they, like, beat it out of you. And that's going to be the interesting thing, not which high-level tennis players come into pickleball, but, like, which players who start at 14, like Dylan Frazier, or 12, like Annalie Waters, don't have that stuff beaten into them before they have to remove it again. Right. Tyra and I have, I think, three more tournaments together this year. We've played a couple this year already. And one of the first things she said to me in St. George during our first time playing together was, um, wow, you can be really, like, fiery on the court. In pickleball, you can be, like, really aggressive. You can, like, fight with the ref. You can, like, yell the F word with, like, little or no consequence. You know, I used to be like that. I used to be super fiery on the court. I had it, like you just said, completely beaten out of me by these ITF referees and the whole culture of tennis being, like, you're castrated. Like, all emotion is just completely castrated from these poor tennis players. Another reason I think that sport is frankly failing and so hard to watch. It's like nobody wants to watch these robots on the court. Like we want to see, we want to see emotion. Totally. Totally. So I did clip three awesome points from Jaume and Wyatt taking on AJ and Riley. That is on my K-Dubs PB Instagram if you want to check them out. Uh, I think they're sports center top 10 worthy, but that's just my humble opinion, which I did discover. I didn't know this, um, but Jaume does have another point that made it to a sports center top 10. Did you know that? Which one? Behind the back? Um, it might have been. I think it was obviously a singles point, and uh, I think there was like an ATP and a something else. Oh, but can, yeah, yeah. I remember that. You can check out his um, – his so speaking of page points to, that deserve to, that to be one. on ESPN Sports Center, I had a point in my first round playing with Sarah and women's, obviously, because I only played women's. Um, I did my first ever in match behind the back. And uh, How it did was that go. Yeah, no, it was really, really cool. And then the opponent stopped the point at the same time that the ref stopped the point at the same time that I stopped the point. To be like, <laughs> I think it rolled up my back onto my paddle. And last time I checked, you were like uh, a Harlem that's Globe illegal. <laughs> I was like a Harlem Globetrotter. Roll Globe it on trot. down, flick it over. 
<laughs> so yeah, that's my first uh, baby's first ever illegal uh, around the back. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, they were making a, a point to like ask whether that happened or not to Jamais around the back, but his apparently was clean. So yeah, so speaking of Tyra, uh, taken down Anna Lee. the goat. Anna Lee, uh, very humble about it. She said in the interview she even still thought she was going to lose when she was like basically five points away from taking the match. But uh, real props to her. And uh, someone else made the point of like just before Daytona, the other Daytona PPA in like March, she lost 0-0 to AL. So figured it out yeah let's and, think um, about that 12 the next months person ago loses, she lost O. yeah the next person ago. who loses O to al just remember you could be tyra six months that's well said um so i think that you either fall into one or two camps here you're either like oh my gosh annalee's reaction was so childish so inappropriate we expect more from our number one yeah, player just to be clear if anyone didn't watch mm-hmm. because we know you're not all as obsessed with pickleball pros as we are but she kind of acted like Rocky at the top of the steps, like both arms straight up in victory, right when she hit it wide and lost the match. And, and then like, ran off cheered, the court as quickly as she could. Then like was like, oh, tapped the paddle, chucked her paddle at her mom, and then ran off the court, did one more cheer, and kept running. Um, so, yeah. So like I was saying, I, th- I think you're you, 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 f- you fall in one of two camps. Um, I know the camp... I fall into is like, give her, leave her alone. Girl's 16 years old. And I mean, I say this jokingly, but there is truth in it. It's hard to be good at something you never practice. And she don't practice losing. Yeah. Like <laughs> not a whole lot of L's in that record. Like how is she going to practice what losing? Is she like 402 and two. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my take is like, who cares? It did remind me of the last time we saw her lose in singles. Although, actually, I think Leia beat her once, right? Or maybe mm. won one game, maybe not. I'll fact check that. But she definitely lost last two years ago to Paris Todd at the San Clemente event. Um, and that was when they were playing five games, I think. I think it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. She had Paris's paddle tested. So... That was the last reaction we've seen from her losing. So Yep. So I think my sister said it well. She said, let's see how she handles her next loss, and that'll be the the testament and the tell. Best of three. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think we all we all forget sometimes that pro athletes are still humans and in this case a yeah. human teenager. Uh, I know uh Michelle Wee had a lot of incidents as a teen in the spotlight, um, people, you know, thinking she was kind of being a baby or well, a little bit of a diva or like relied on her parents too much or, you know, let's, let's all remember what everyone whatever. else was doing at 16 years old, what we were all doing at 16 years <laughs> Smoking old. Smoking pot in the I, I, back I, of the <laughs> forest at high school. No. I mean, I had started college, but that's a far cry, <laughs> far cry from being number one in the world at anything other than maybe starting college. 16. Um, but no, you bring up, you bring up a good point, Kristen, like, you know, what does it mean to be a pro athlete? Like, like you signed up for it, you know, but also you just happen to be that good at that age. Like 
is it your choice is your fault and like there are people who are very talented in things i can't think of a good example right now but i know where they stay amateur longer than you'd expect mm, and i'm sure a lot of that is the parents kind of worrying about being so much in the spotlight and yada 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 is there a sport that's dominated by teens is that ping pong what, what's this what, what's a sport that's dominated by teens because i think that is going to be pickleball well, there's one for the Oracle book, um, but I think it's pretty equal in golf and tennis and pickleball right now, where there's like a couple of teen phenoms and then a lot of young 20s. But you can't think of one sport where it's like oh, you're oh, old gymnastics. and 19, figure skating, right? Gymnastics. Or gymnastics. Yes. You're right. Gymnastics is the, the... – Yeah. Puberty's a killer. I think that's a big part of it. Like you can't have big boobs and a big butt and like – be developed. Oh, That's why they want like eleven well, and for pickleball. I was like, well, I'm, I, I should be number one in the world then. <laughs> that is not true. You're right. I have you a big have butt. You have a bodacious butt. <laughs> <laughs> Although you still need to do more glute squeezers. Oh uh, my god, that was the common theme but in our PT it, this week. We it, both it need does, to squeeze the glutes. But but Annalise's but. loss and even my own struggles like really illuminates, at least for me, like, what does it mean to be a pro athlete? At least in pickleball, you know, you're only as good as your last win and, or your last loss. Like you're only as good as your last tournament. And that's forgotten about so quickly. Cause guess what? There's 32 events on the calendar and the very next week or week and a half later, you've got a new event. And there's so many new players entering the game at the same time. It's easy to start comparing yourself to, in fact, it's almost impossible not to. And I think for me, what I've realized after Takea that the hardest part about being a pro is comparison. It's like demons. They're yes, haunting, always the haunting my head. Like, mm-hmm. But it's just, impossible not to because it's like that. that is what competition is. It's like, and, and that's how what, do you stack up? It's weird because I've been an athlete my whole life and so have you. But it's never been my job. I mean, I went and played scholarship tennis, but it's my job now. And I'm not used to comparing myself to anyone. And they say comparison's the root of all unhappiness. And, I, and I, I'm feeling that more this past month than I've ever felt in my life. Like when I was running um, the commercial department at UTR and I was running Duper as CEO, you compare yourself prim- primarily to like your previous numbers. So like for our sales team, you know, we did X in Q1. We want, we have a KPI to be up 20% in Q2, Q3. We want to hit this number. So you've got these previous benchmarks that are really against yourself. You're not constantly looking out mm-hmm. the window at what your neighbor, your competitor is doing. And it's not like that at all in pro pickleball. And every time I sit here and think about like my own demons, like, am I going to finally meddle in a PPA? Like you can't think of yourself as this top 15, 10 player, five player. Like I, I know I am without getting that monkey off your back. Are you just someone who's excels in MLP? If so, why is that? Like I've got all these demons and comparing myself to all these players, but I think it's the nature of the sport. And you see like Riley Newman, arguably the number two player in the world dumps Matt Wright top, probably five, six, seven player in the world because he wants gold. It's not good enough for him just to meddle in a hundred percent of his events with Matt, which they've done in an astounding, like 27 out of 27 events. That's not good enough for him. Like he's the number two player in the world. He's got his own demons. He's, he's fighting for his own better. So I think it's just the nature of being a pro. 
It is. It's tough. And, you know, it's it's kind of like the uh, the irony of of anything. Like I always come back to Esther Perel's quote. It's like a quote about how you have to be everything to everyone and all of them are opposites. And in sport, you have to be the best, but also be humble. You have to be highly competitive, but also like be able to congratulate your opponent. You have to be a team player, but also stand out. (laughs) You have to compare yourself to others so that you can strategically improve certain statistics, but also like be trusting inside of yourself to not need any comparison. And, you know, you're bound to get kind of lost somewhere in the mix. Um, And uh, And I think life always come back to the things you can control. Yep. And, and life sets you up for this mentality of like a ladder-like progression. K-1, preschool, first grade, second grade, third grade, elementary, high school, college, master's, job, date, engaged, marriage, mm-hmm. buy the house, Every first step kid. along the way it's like, is just the thing before what you're trying to aim for. Exactly. Next. What's exactly. next? What's next? What's next? Never be complacent. Never be... Uh, happy, never be stagnant. And at what point do you not also have to sniff the roses and appreciate where you the are journey. at this moment? And I think I've always been more of like the like put the work in, enjoy the journey. And it's funny how results are a byproduct of the effort and the work. So don't focus on the result. The result will come. Like it just is a natural byproduct of all the correct steps that you're taking and what you're doing. But I I'm, would be lying to you if I told you I'm not super anxious to have a great result. Like I've had so many top eight uh, finishes, finished sixth at uh, PPA San Clemente with Sarah, like beat really good teams there, beat Anna Bright and Megan Fudge, beat Tyra and Leia. Like well, I've obviously won MVP at MLP, but like didn't get drafted to Premier. Like is it ever enough? Like what has like happened in my head that is making me mm-hmm. – like it's not enough. Doubt. Like I want more. Like right. when's my medal? Like that's so unhealthy. But is that just how every single professional athlete feels? Well, as a golf pro and as I always say, an armchair sports psychology expert, I just think it's so so hard sometimes to recognize that some thoughts pop into our heads. We right. can't control them. It's like whoosh, don't go in that lake. Wow, I wish I didn't think about that, but there's a lake and I see it. So of course my brain has to register that it's there in order to decide instead of thinking, don't go in that lake, I should probably focus on hitting a buttery cut at the edge of that bunker or out to that tree or middle of fairway, middle of fairway, middle of fairway, or whatever that is that replaces the thought that whooshed into your head. And so I think, you know, you being in the position that you are right now in pickleball you're going to you're going to see a lot of lakes yeah. and a lot of trees and a lot of bunkers and you have to continue to triple down on the thoughts that actually are productive right. that are helpful that just keep you back in the fairway um, and forgiving yourself when you do go in the hazard and remembering right. that some risks are worth taking and you know if you try and hit it over the lake 10 times and you make it over the lake 7 out of 10 times that's a good decision and if you try and hit it over the lake and you go in the lake 9 out of 10 times then we need to reevaluate your course of management so i think for for pickleball that's you know remembering that you don't 
actually you've only played like two events since MLP and like eight events total. And so yeah. much of match play is just the person in front of you and how are they playing today? And that's out of your control. And you know, what side of the court did you get and who's your partner and how injured are they? And there are just un un these unlimited variables that go on and you unlimited. just have to smile and show up to the court every day with the same awesome attitude of support and positivity and keep doing what you know how to do, which is hit a third, hit a dink, hit a put away, hit a speed up, be ready for the comeback, you know? And everything else is just results. It's just the after the equal sign. All you can focus on is the formula. That was awesome. Can we put that on a t-shirt, please? <laughs> Font size is going to be tiny. Tiny. <laughs> oh, man. I think we're going to take a quick break here, right, K-Dubs? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I did just want to also give a sh quick shout out to Gabe Joseph, who, uh, won gold in men's singles, um, who people sometimes were like, oh, well, he came out of nowhere, but he plays all the time. And you made the, the point of saying that Gabe Joseph's style of play is either going to win a gold medal or lose in the first round. <laughs> yes, I, I do so believe that. give us the 30-second elevator pitch on what that means. Oh, I love watching Gabe Joseph play. I actually won my first ever singles gold medal uh, in, Alongside, yeah. in San Diego. Ice while, in the veins. Yep, while he won, he won a gold medal as well. And uh, we were both playing singles, obviously, and he was slapping his uh, his forearm, and I said, "What does that mean?" He goes, "Ice in the veins," and I was like, "I love that. That was awesome." Um, and he's really fun to watch. But yeah, his style of play, I have to commend him for because, and this is a good lesson for everyone at home. You know that I'm a big believer in like dance with the girl you brought. Don't try and force something if it's not working. He is like, okay, people do cat and mouse. Doesn't mean I have to. And it doesn't mean he can't, but he just hits his ground stroke so flat, so fast, so hard. If he's just hitting anywhere within his spot, like within, you know, 15% of his spot, he's probably going to win that point. He's probably going to hit like a clean winner or very close right. to a clean winner. So his game- Or it's one inch out of the line. Yeah. His, his style is just very like, you know- flat, hard, go for the winner. And that style just gets you kind of like an on or an off. Like there are days in singles, and I was talking to Tyra about this, where it's like inexplicable how bad you are and how you like can't hit a ball on the court. And you just cannot make a passing shot to save your life. I've had days like that. But then when my passing shots are on, I feel truly unbeatable. And that's to me, Gabe's style is very like unbeatable when he's on. Um, tough to make it probably past the first or the second round when he's not. So there you have it. Um, what would you say to a player entering singles pickleball from that mentality? Like, is it best to still kind of try and learn both to be able to, you know, slow it down and curve no, your shots? I, I or? commend him that he's just doing his Do style. Yeah. And again, what is he here for? Is he here to create a style of play because this is his full income and he needs to meddle week in and week out? No. I mean, if, that's what he came to do, he'd probably alter his style of play. But he's fine playing his five tournaments a year, however many he's playing, and bowing out quickly in three of them and winning two of them. I mean, well, those are still amazing numbers. Since he never plays doubles, like refuses, uh, I think he plays almost every event. He just goes in for singles and is usually not hanging out for Sunday. So he doesn't have to schedule super, like, long blocks of time to just play that event so luckily this one's kind of a local for him yeah. um so it just depends on your goals yeah 
Well, cool. So we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. Ruck Solar Packs. Do you have someone who's impossible to shop for? The Ruck Solar Pack is definitely our favorite pickleball bag. It's also sleek, fits your laptop, your paddles, and it has a solar panel to charge all the devices. Like, a solar panel, like cool who comes that? up with that? That is the coolest idea ever. It literally charges your devices from the solar pack while you're playing pickleball. I mean, does it get better than that? I don't think so. You can visit ruckpack.com. That's R-U-K-P-A-C-K.com. You can use code JillyB for 15% off your next order. Also, I love the price point of these products. You're definitely getting a bang for your buck. Like the zippers are nice. The, um, the laptop sleeve is like extra padded and super, super soft. You can really tell that a lot of uh, love goes into these bags. R-U-K pack pack.com and use code JillyB for 15% off on your next order. By, by the numbers, by the numbers. Okay, so some kind of related but uh, somewhat sidebar by the numbers today. I wanted to talk about the billion dollar blonde bombshells. Yes, I'm talking about Barbie. Thought you were talking which, about me. <laughs> well, you are my billion dollar blonde bombshell, but Thank you, that's, that's for another conversation. Okay. So Barbie broke the $1 billion box office record. Um, I had a lot of super high hopes for this movie, so I was certain that they were not going to be lived up to, and I couldn't have been more wrong. It might be my favorite movie ever. I think what's, what's cool about it is a person like me who never owned Barbies and wasn't really into Barbies loved it. And people who are super into Barbies and had lots of Barbies also love it. I think a lot of people are seeing it multiple times too. Um, but really, really great um, work of art as far as I'm concerned. And it is now part of a group of only 52 movies who have ever broken the billion dollar box office record. Um, so it is far and away the most um, box office uh, win for a female-led, female-directed, female-produced, female-written I thought movie. it was... Absolutely hysterical. I did think it was a little heavy on the patri anti, you know, uh, patriarchy and anti men. It was just a little heavy on it, but it was like is really, really fun. Iron really. Man heavy in the robotics and like Transformers heavy in the robotics. Like it's just it's that's the movie they're making. So I don't know if you can like. Well, give you them know, you know, though, that. going into Transformers, that's the movie that they're making. I think some and you people don't think went people into Barbie. That about Barbie not realizing it was going to be such like a societal hot button. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's all. I, but it I was think hysterical. anyone who knows Greta Gerwig knew that that was what they were going to watch, but maybe I overestimate people who know Greta Gerwig. I literally think people saw the word Barbie and were like, I'm going to go Margot watch Robbie, I'm in. Yeah, Margot Robbie, Barbie, I'm in. Props <laughs> to Margot and the rest of the cast for really doing a good job moving like a doll. Like that was really impressive to me and like you don't think about these things but like yeah, Barbie doesn't have articulating knees. She can only bend from the hips, right? From the waist depending on who you're asking. Anyway. Wait, the I'm sorry but the best part of Barbie was when Ken said to Barbie, you know, can I spend the night? I was hoping we could uh, – we no, could, uh, Can I spend the night? And she goes, to do what? Why do you always steal my punchline? No, I'm setting your punchline up. <laughs> and he says – I don't really know, to be honest, because <laughs> they don't have, you know, they don't have genitalia. Anyway, yes, it was a, it was a very funny movie. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so number two, 
the Women's World Cup, setting records for most uh, fans. I think they've averaged in just the group play 25,000 fans per match, a 29% increase from the last World Cup in France. And to top it all off, what takes 25,000 fans and says, you know what? How about 54,000 fans per event? And yes, you know who I'm talking about. That is Swifty. T Swift. 54,000 fans each concert. I guess she did six in a row in LA and sold out all of them. Um, so that has been over a billion uh, projected. She hasn't finished that tour. But also but the economic impact that has made on the surrounding community absolutely. Is, is outrageous. So yeah, I guess uh, I guess this has been like a billion dollar blonde type of a type of economy right now. The she economy. Let's go. Um, so did you want to talk about um oh and just real quick, RIP US Women's National Team. This is the first time they have ever not finished with a medal. They've been in the top three every single World Cup. So Couple, couple reasons I think that happened that aren't necessarily their fault. We I are not they've football, inspired we are not the rest of the pundits. world. We are not football but, pundits. But shout out to uh, to World Cup in general and women's sports. That's the point. Uh, so on the topic of by the numbers, I wanted to talk briefly about a topic everyone may find fairly interesting. I know I do. Uh, regarding buying time. So if you've watched Pro Pickleball in the past couple of weeks, you've noticed that you've been flipping between CBS CBS Sports, ESPN, uh, the YouTube live stream. And the reason for that is it is it is expensive to buy time. So when you're lamenting that you have to switch from station to station to station, what we shouldn't forget is that is the PPA Tour spending gobs, heaps of money to get pickleball in front of new eyeballs. That is so important to the sport. When I was explaining this to my sister, I, I try to explain to her, like, pickleball is not competing against tennis. Pickleball is competing against football, baseball, basketball. Uh, Spelling bees. Now that sport cornhole. is really popular. Cor- cornhole. Thank you. Competing against cornhole. Uh, frisbee golf. What's that called? Help me. What do they call it? Oh, yeah. Frisbee golf. Fris- Disc golf. Disc golf. So sorry. Um, so this is like table tennis and ping pong. You so can when say you both. see MLP and PPA getting on Amazon Prime, getting on these different channels, like that's a huge, huge, huge ordeal to capture eyeballs of either recreational players who wouldn't normally watch pickleball, or to capture eyeballs of someone who's never recreational watched pickleball. TV surfers. <laughs> right? No, because sports viewers are sports viewers. Yeah. When we went to the U.S. Open tennis last year. I looked around and I was like, oh my God, these people are nuts for tennis. And clearly there's no way all of them are going home and like ripping forehands. Like these people do not play tennis. Right. But they They watch. They were so obsessed with watching tennis. So that is bound to happen in pickleball. It's mission critical that it happens in pickleball. And so so don't let your frustration uh, overwhelm your sense and now hopefully your knowledge that it is – hundreds of thousands of dollars for MLP and PPA and and I think the APP as well in terms of buying television time. Absolutely. And hopefully that switches one day and the networks pay us. I did try actually to try and find out what those gobs numbers might look like and I couldn't find anywhere. Do you have a 
ballpark of what that might look like? I know exactly what the numbers are, but I cannot reveal what. Okay, answer me this: spending is it roughly equivalent to like buying an ad for thirty seconds times or a minute times sixty? Is that the ratio? That's a good way to look at it. You're buying time. Yeah, great way to look at it. Just one giant advertisement, and then you subsidize that cost by selling your own ads. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, definitely not cheap. All right, we are wrapping up the pod. We have uh, two last segments. Dear Jilly B. Uh, listener has written in asking if I could elaborate on the geometry of the court. And if you hear us talk about uh, the, ge- the geometry of the court, I guess we haven't done a good enough job of explaining just what this means, but it's absolutely mission critical and I've struggled with how to explain it in a way that everyone could understand and then last night it hit me. Oh boy. Watch a pro pickleball match. Before every shot is hit, press pause on YouTube Mm. and see if you can guess where the ball is about to go and why. So something that the best pickleball players in the world all share in common is an innate anticipation for not where the ball is, but where the ball is going to go. You can practice this at home. You can practice it sitting literally on your couch. You Mm -hmm. can practice it with nothing but a phone in your hand and an internet connection. So let me ask you this. This is kind of an easy picture for someone who watches any pickleball. Let's imagine we're playing mixed doubles and they're both right-handed and guy on left, girl on right, both teams. So girl and girl are going cross-court, cross-court, cross-court. And every now and then you'll see Anna Lee, for example, or whoever decide to go up the line at the guy to his backhand. How does she choose that moment? Not just how does she choose that moment. How do you know that's coming? So see if you can read not just the ball, but her paddle face. See if you can read literally the paddle face of your opponent. So I'm really rarely watching the ball in pickleball. I am like a hawk watching the paddle face of my opponents. That will tell me everything I need to know about where the ball is about to go way before they've even struck the ball. Maybe even before my opponent knows where they're going. Really think about that for one second. I have an opportunity to find out where my opponent's about to hit the ball before they even hit it, just by looking at the face of their paddle. So this is what I want you guys at home to start to study and see if after 20 minutes of video analysis, you're getting better at guessing. Like you might not feel like Mm -hmm. you're figuring out the geometry of the court, but start by counting, okay, I tried to guess 10, I got four right. But my next 10, I got five. And the next 10 shots, I got six. And then in most cases, would you say there's two main directions someone's going or three? Like how how predictive would that be? So say you're watching someone, like I said, dinking cross court. Is there three locations they should be guessing? Or is it basically like, are they going to go cross court again? Are they going to lob? Are they going to go down? You're not guessing directionally. You're also guessing, are they going to speed it up or dink it? Right. Okay. Are they going to lob? Right. 
Are they going to catch this in the air or let it drop? So probably every shot anyone puts a paddle on, there's four or five permutations of things you could be guessing. And it's probably a sliding scale too. It's like this is the most likely, this is the surprise, this is the dumb play, (laughs) and then there's two others. But uh, yeah, definitely an interesting thing uh, I think has has been proven over and over that Annalie's greatest skill in pickleball is anticipation. Yep. She's moving she's well before the opponent has struck the ball. Totally. Kristen, do you want to talk a little bit about our um, uh, the PPA, MLP kind of organization, new rules, updates? Yeah. yeah. I, I had one sort of fact check uh, we talked about, um, I think on episode 14 from your mom's living room, uh, where they had updated some of the ML, uh, the PPA rules, but then the link broke um, and they put them somewhere else. And um, the biggest news from that um, we didn't mention was no more backdraw. So now we've had three events, two of which you've played in without the backdraw. Do you think this is a natural, a positive, a negative? Do you think they'll roll it back and bring it back? But it's not a total no back draw, to be fair. If you lose in the first round, you go into a separate points draw. Um, but basically, for anyone who wins their first round, if you lose their out, you're done. Opinion? Well, I think we already talked about this. Yeah, no. We I th- didn't. No, we skipped that. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's good. Um, it's good and bad. I mean, I was like a back draw warrior. A lot of my best finishes have come from battling through the backdraw and being, you know, mentally strong and really wanting it where a lot of players are like, oh my God, get me out of here. But I think ultimately it's, it's good in the sense that it's less wear and tear on your, on your body. Yeah. And it's interesting to see like which players often find themselves there versus the players that when they would find themselves there mm-hmm. would just withdraw anyway. And yep. how does that look? But- it's easier for the tour to organize uh, more courts for the amateurs who are playing concurrent to the pro. So there's just a lot yeah, of benefits. There are a lot of benefits to it. Totally. Um, obviously, if you want to play more, it's it's not a benefit, but I think the benefits outweigh the cons. Yeah. I yeah. think um, it's interesting. I thought you were actually going to bring up uh, the fact that the ProXR paddle, I received a text message on. I was getting there. I was getting there. <laughs> I received a text message from um, our uh, head of player relations at the PPA that was like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to try and just remember this by memory, but it said due to, you know, um, widespread quality control issues that are, you know, pervasive with pro XR paddles, we're going to be mandatory testing all pro XR paddles, regardless of what round. And if it's, uh, if the match commences with your paddle, uh, at 40, but it increases to 43 on the, the grit meter. I assume that was the grit meter. Which I was surprised by because I didn't think grit could ever increase. It can only decrease. That's what so I thought. So There was they, some some delineation of, of number that if it changed. So if it changed to. throughout the course of your match, your paddle would be deemed illegal. You would forfeit the match. So if you started the match with the meter at 40, 20 minutes later you finish your match, it's at 40, uh, 44. Uh, you're disc- you're uh, playing with an illegal paddle and you forfeit that match. So again, I can't tell you how much I disagree with punishing a player for changes that happen to their paddle within the match. I don't think they should be responsible for that. I had to experience this firsthand with Sarah Ansbury during Paddlegate uh, when Lina Patagamaiti and Lacey Schneeman challenged uh, Sarah's paddle after we beat them. 
And uh, it turned out that hers had like barely failed whatever uh, deflection uh, test that uh, Carl Schmidt had put it through with the PPA. So I, I'm just not a fan of this like your paddle changed in the course of 15 minutes and now you're forfeited. I also don't fully comprehend what it is that's going on with these Pro XR paddles. And like you said, I thought grit could only decrease, not increase in a match. Yeah, it seems to me that there's three kinds of grit. And I know you hate talking about things on the pod that we're not absolutely certain of, but I know for a fact that when you look at the microscope of the Groovin, um, which is raw carbon, it's like a crosshatch pattern. Um, and I know there are some kinds of grit that are basically texture painted on top of the surface, um, like say gearbox, um, which is also made of carbon fiber, but it's not a gritty carbon fiber. So they add like a, almost like a, a glue or some kind of extra product that that also eventually will wear off. And then there's Pro XR, which I'm sure is some combination of the crosshatch but when you put your hands on it, so I can speak firsthand to, you know, putting my hands and playing with the Pro XR paddle, it reminds me of that kind of art where if you look from one corner, it's almost like Ruffles potato chips. And like, <laughs> if you then move your head to the other side, you're seeing different art on like a microscopic level. Like it's, it's very linear. So mm. there must be something about the technology in the Pro XR paddle that is, uh, getting people to um, have a different effect than the typical wear and tear of, of grit. So it'll be interesting to see if their paddles change um, or if they start to have a big problem with the failing. But so far, I, I didn't hear of anyone. Well, it has been test. fascinating to see such a onslaught of pros doing well in singles with the Pro XR paddle. Uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking, is Pro XR just designed for singles? What is going on here? And I think about how good Jaume Martinez Vic is, and he plays that 6-0 double black diamond, which is just the grittiest paddle I've ever felt in my life. So yeah, there is something to be said about these ultra gritty paddles as it relates specifically to success in singles. Yeah. Um, the uh, the other thing I'm still confused by is they've published that they're going to start playing let serves and they still seem to be stopping let serves. So I don't know if that's just like I was a also confused thing. by that. Um, but no one seems to. So be... So hopefully we'll come back next week with some more answers on the the Pro XR. No staff. one seems to be perturbed other than me. So let's just start real quick with a fact check. I was struggling to remember the name of the up-and-coming uh, singles player who was playing with the Pro XR paddle two weeks ago. His name is Naveen Beasley, and I just wanted to clear that up because, you know, everyone deserves to have their name pronounced correctly. Thank so you, Kristen. hopefully Christian. I am. That was very thoughtful uh, I also you. noticed he's playing with Kwong Dong in, uh, in an event as doubles, or maybe he did that this week, and uh, I was wow. thinking it's interesting to see, like, singles guys stick together. I was going to say two singles players, the average uh, rally will be like 4.2 shots. <laughs> okay, here's what we're going to do. You hit it as hard as you can, and I'll hit it as hard as I can, and we'll see if we can keep them from getting to the kitchen. Go. Oh, man. Um, so the uh, the other thing we wanted to uh, do was give a shout out and a thank you to Dr. Jamie Gold for writing in with her uh, expert physical therapy advice on Jill's hamstring. But yeah, thanks to all of y'all that have written in and Dr. Jamie Gold, I'm rehabbing it and getting a little bit better every single day and didn't tear it at Takea, thank God. Yes, that is the best news ever. 
All right. Next week, we have another loaded pod. We're going to let you know how my sister does in her trial professional practice matches against Rachel Retker, Janine Urquina. AKA, can she cover one-eighth of a court while Jill flies around like a banshee? (laughs) We'll let you know if I'm good to go for Brigham for the Tournament of Champions. And then we're also going to be talking about uh, our 10 cheat codes that we know now as professional athletes that we wish we would have known 10 years ago. So those are 10 physical and mental cheat codes. Excited for those for sure. And uh, thanks for uh, sticking with us. We will see you next week. See you next week. Oh, don't forget. Pickleball is joy. Don't ever let anyone tell you differently. That's right. This Pickleball Life is a Tomahawk production, 100% organic, self-made, and homegrown. Music by K-Dubs. Editing by K-Dubs and Jilly B. Check out pbgods.com and use code PBLIFERS for 10% off your next order. Do you have a question for Jilly B? Email us at thispblife at gmail.com to be included in future episodes. Don't forget to click subscribe. This Pickleball Life.